Hi, hello, hola, and hello. Welcome to my kids think I'm cool, but podcast. A podcast about getting knocked up in a foreign country, families living abroad, and raising children in a different culture. All while trying to keep your cool and not lose your shit. I'm your host Jackie, an American Filipino mom living in Denmark, and my kids think I'm cool, but my kids has so much toys. It's crazy the amount of toys they have right now. Lately, I've been throwing them away secretly, only just small pieces that I can't find a match to, and I know my kids won't even notice that they're gone, so I just throw them away. But I don't really throw them away in the trash. I put them in a bag aside, and I made a huge mistake two weeks ago, and I left that bag outside, and my daughter found it in the gangway. And so when my daughter found it, she questioned me, like, "Why are these in the trash?" I'm like, "Uh, I had to make an excuse." So now those little pieces of toys that I was trying to throw away are back on her shelf. So I think I'm gonna just wait a couple weeks—not a couple weeks, maybe like two weeks—until she forgets about them and then throw them away because these toys have—they're missing pieces. So they're just random things that are just laying around the house and they're making a mess. So I'm just gonna wait a little bit to throw them away again. I know, naughty mom, but that's how I can just kind of clear the house with all the toys that that's around the house. So if you guys don't make me feel bad, if you guys have a butt, let me know. Send it to my messenger or even email me at mykidsthinkimcoolbutt.com and let me know what your butt is, so I don't feel so bad throwing away my kids' toys. So let's get to today's episode about the meaning of entrepreneurship and why many internationals and people are starting to become entrepreneurs. I am noticing so many international moms are creating their own jobs since they are having trouble finding a job in Denmark. It can be an anime teacher, shout out to you, Coco, a photographer, or even a yoga teacher, and so much more. I can keep a list going because when I talk to my guest here, and it's just a trend that a lot of them have become entrepreneurs or started their own business. And I'm currently going through the same thing too, with going through a job search right now. It is difficult to find a job here, and then I'm also trying to figure out, you know, if I should become an entrepreneur by creating my website, which I did. So, how do we set this in motion to become an entrepreneur? Well, I guess I have a guest here that will be speaking on how to become an entrepreneur or have the mindset of one, whether you are looking for a job or want to start your own business here in Denmark, or if you're not here in Denmark, anywhere in the world. My guest is from Spain. She's actually half Spanish and Romanian. Her husband is Dane, and they have two kids together living in Denmark. She has a really cool company called We Are Entrepreneurs that help people in Denmark and really globally to get their business started. Sometimes people have a really great skill, for example, making jewelry. That is a chef that has a passion for cooking and want to start a restaurant. Really, anything that they want to make a business out of. And they don't have the business sense to start it, so her company will guide you every step of the way. I don't want to say much, and I rather have her talk about the company and her initiative. So let me introduce you to Diana Madera Morkson. Hi, Diana, and thank you for being on today's episode about entrepreneurship and really what it means and what people can do to get started today. Hi, Diana. Hi, Jackie. Thank you for having me and helping me spread the power of the entrepreneurial mindset to your audience. Yeah, thank you for taking the time to be on here. <laughs> I know you're busy getting, you know, helping a lot of people get started in their journey of entrepreneurship. 
Yes, but like I said to you before, I am a, a fan of your show, of your podcast, and I think these conversations are so genuine and so relatable. So I'm very happy to be here. Yeah, thank you. I'm so happy that people are actually listening to my podcast because sometimes um, I mentioned it before. I feel like I'm just speaking to the air. But if it's, you know, falling in people's ears, I'm so happy just to hear that people are listening to it and relating to it and learning from it. So thank you for that. And thank you for listening <laughs> and being on this show. So I thought that this topic would be a perfect conversation to have. Of course, before we jump into the topic of entrepreneurship, I want to get into, you know, your family life. You're also an international living here in Denmark. Can you tell the audience or the listeners a little bit about yourself before moving to Denmark? Well, like you said, I am um, I am Romanian and my family lives in Spain. I'm a long-time expat, actually. I moved to Spain when I was a teenager. And since then, I lived in the UK and Sweden before moving to Denmark 11 years ago. And I was, uh, I was a flight attendant as a career before moving here. So I was very used to traveling and moving around. I had a very positive and um, very open view of the world. Okay, that's so cool that you were able, well, not right now, we're not traveling right now, no one's <laughs> traveling right now, that you're able to, you were a flight attendant, and then you became this kind of lead to entrepreneurship. I know I'm skipping over some questions, but what made you have that shift from, you know, flight attendant to what you're doing now? Well, I mean, circumstances, we moved to Denmark, pretty much uh, it was a random choice for, for us to move here. We were living in, in Sweden and the company that we were working for went bankrupt in the wake of the economic crisis. And my husband being uh, Danish, he uh, found a job in Denmark. And then we moved here uh, and it turned out that following uh, that path or flight attendant, it wasn't an option here in Denmark as you were required to speak one Scandinavian language, which I spoke none of <laughs> at a time. At the yeah, time. but now you've probably been living here for a while now. You can uh, have a conversation. <laughs> yes, now now it's different, of course. That's, it's about developing, right? <laughs> yeah, no. Well, since you um, answered my question on why you are here in Denmark, you can answer my uh, next question. What were your culture shocks when the biggest culture shock you had when you moved to Denmark? Because I was coming from the world of aviation, I was very used to diversity and quirkiness and a certain uh, social skills that were generally, you know, very extrovert oriented. You know, we, we generally, people who are flight attendants are very extrovert. You know, we're very used to talking to people and, you know, engaging in conversations and, and so on. So in 2010, when I moved first to Jabland, you know, and then later to, to Kyr, I felt that there was, so it was not Copenhagen. That's the, the point I'm trying to make here. So there was not so many international people around. So I felt that there was this right and not so right way of behaving. Yeah, you're nodding, so I think you know what I mean. And these hidden norms and behaviors, they were a very much, uh, they, there was a big range of them, right? So from how you were dressing to how you were interact with your friends, like you cannot really buy coffee to your, for your friends, you know, like everybody splits the tab. Or you have to take your own drinks and snacks to a party, which was incredibly surprising for me. So, you know, it was kind of like a limit to how bubbly you could be without looking like you're trying too hard, even though that was your personality. <laughs> and then on top of it, I didn't have a translator or the culture translator. 
and none of my experience, my previous experience as an expat, it just didn't seem to help me at all navigate this new culture. So I think that was the biggest culture shock for me, kind of interpreting the world around me. It it took me a while. (laughs) Yeah, I totally understand where you're coming from when you say when you meet people or other Danes, there's a, a certain way that you should be acting or you don't bring you bring your own food and drinks or something like that. That was also, you know, a surprise, a surprise to me when I moved here. I really had to change my mindset. Do you ever feel like when you go back to Spain or uh, if you ever go to uh, Romania that you kind of have to rewind a little bit and think in the aspect of Spanish in a Spanish kind of way? Yes. And it's actually quite difficult to go back. Because that's not your everyday anymore, right? Your everyday is very, it's very different. So all of a sudden, um, how it used to be, it becomes new. And in, in that, in that process, sometimes it's very confusing for me because you don't want to be like offensive or offend anyone. But at the same time, you're not very sure what the rules are anymore. (laughs) So it's a very thin rope that you have to walk on. Yeah, I know where you're coming from. I remember when I went back to Los Angeles and the one day it rained in Los Angeles, I just told my friends, let's go hiking. It's raining. And my my saying was like, and I'm so used to doing everything in the rain. And my friends were like, it's raining. I'm like, okay, (laughs) it's not a big deal for me. But to them, it is. And I kind of have to really change my approach to things because they're not used to doing it anymore. But I am. So I always have to change the way I think or even like talk also. So you probably have that too with with the different cultures, you know, Spanish uh, culture and also uh, Romanian uh, culture. Yes, and it can be so, you know, varied from what time can you meet your friends for food because here in uh, in Denmark we had completely crazy schedules like we have lunch at noon or even before noon sometimes which is basically breakfast in Spain also like you say you know doing certain activities in whatever weather that that's not really how how it works in in Spain but i mean it's it's always great to see people back home and we try to make it work yeah yeah i'm always grateful it it's like when they tell me something, I have to remind myself, like, I'm not in Denmark. And it takes me a week, really, to get back to that. And then I'm back at it. I was like, okay, now now I'm getting the hang of, you know, the life here. And then you go back home and you're like, okay, I got to get back to Danish, <laughs> Danish mind, mindset. When everyone moves to Denmark, everyone has this thought of, like, how hard can it be? I definitely did. I had the thought of, you know, in six months, I will really know the language. I just had like high hopes for myself. But then six months later, winter hit. It was dark. I was struggling with the language. What state of mind were you in when you first moved to Denmark? Were you the optimistic one like me or were you kind of like doubting like, okay, how am I going to transition to this kind of lifestyle? I was very much relaxed moving here. Uh, I lived, I already lived in Scandinavia and I visited Denmark several times to, to see uh, my husband's family. And uh, well, my, my now husband and boyfriend reassured me that speaking good English is enough to get a job in Denmark. I mean, in his defense, Danes speak fantastic English and He hasn't been living here for a long time. So, you know, he kind of had a feeling for it. But um, when I moved, there were not that many internationals and the job market wasn't that open to international labor work that that it is um, people working that it is today. You know, now there's much more openness towards international talent. Yeah. 
a lot of internationals that come here. I've, I've noticed that if I talk to an international that moved here 10 years ago versus mm-hmm. five years or even four years from now, it's such a completely different way of um, how Denmark was, even by the food, I've noticed. like it's, yes, I lived here absolutely. seven years ago, and I couldn't find so much sushi or Mexican food. It wasn't a thing, but now it is. Well, not so much Mexican, but sushi is everywhere now. Yes, absolutely. And the the surprising thing for me was that coming from Sweden, where I could find Spanish products in the supermarket, I didn't even consider that as an option for an obstacle. <laughs> you know, it was just a given to me that, I mean, if Sweden is like that, then how different can Denmark be? And also in terms of what stores they have, what kind of uh, products or, or clothes or, or things they have in stores, it's way different in, in Sweden. Um, so it was very relatable to me. It was very natural for me to, to live in Sweden. And then moving here, because I had the same expectations, I was very disappointed. But it's not that it was wrong. I just maybe had to prepare better and inform myself better before moving. Yeah, when I moved to Denmark, I didn't think of the grocery. It was the last thing I thought of was grocery shopping or going shopping. I just thought stores just had the same thing. But I would think Sweden and Denmark, their neighbors, their Scandinavia, they would have nearly the same thing in the store, but they don't. It sounds like maybe now it's been a long t- long time ago for, for you. And yeah. Denmark's a bit more diverse now. The options for organic food or vegan foods grown and also international foods has grown a lot more. Yes. So it's really nice to see, see it evolve in that way. And I'm also seeing more restaurants, more Vietnamese restaurants or Mexican food or everything. The restaurants are even growing here in Denmark. The price isn't going lower, but (laughs) becoming a first-time parent while being away from your family and friends, uh, many internationals like myself had to go through pregnancy without my family and friends close to me. They didn't see, you know, my belly grow or have, I don't know if in Spain, if they ha- if you guys do baby shower, like how was that for you? Was that difficult for you or was it, okay, I'm, I'm pregnant, it's the first time pregnancy? Well, I think pregnancy and maybe even more first time pregnancy, it's a very lonely road. Yeah. I, no matter who you have around you, that was my, my feeling. There's so many changes and people have very different experiences with pregnancy. So oftentimes it's quite difficult to express how you're feeling in a way that another person would understand. That being said, I also had the opportunity to travel back home for them to to see the belly. And by that time that I was pregnant, I've already been living here for five years. So I was lucky enough to have some wonderful friends that did throw me a, a baby shower which was wonderful. And I, I was very lucky in that regard. It was already home for me, Denmark, at that point, which I think made a very big difference. Yeah, definitely does. Because when I was pregnant here in Denmark, I was only living here for a year and a half. So I haven't, and I was working a lot. So I never had established friendships yet. So it was a hard, <laughs> a hard pregnancy because I wanted to go home all the time. I was like, and I thought it was just hormones. <laughs> How do you keep your children's balance with the culture in the house, you know, language, lifestyle, culture differences? Because you do have Romanian background, you have Spanish, and then now you have Danish and then English also because of the language. I don't know. Well, you know, kids are awesome that way. They, they, their ability to, to adapt and navigate the world is so inspiring. And 
like I said, we were quite settled and none of us was very much attached to our culture. You know, I know this might sound very bad, but we have been used to working in such diverse cultures, both of us, and we've been living abroad in different countries. So we, we just felt like ourselves very, you know, um, connected to certain things, but not very much rooted into one culture. And that, of course, translated into our life at home and um, how we raise our kids. But of course, we had this idea before we had children, how we will raise them. What are those values that are important to us? What are the languages that are, that are important to us? And the really good thing with kids is that they know what they know. They accept the reality that they're exposed to. They do not have that feeling that us as parents have of what they could be missing out on. So for my kids, it's very normal to talk on, on WhatsApp with their grandparents uh, that they're in Spain, or it's very normal to only see his grandparents here sometimes because, you know, visit, visitation <laughs> here in, uh, between family in, in Denmark is very, um, well, very different. You know, it goes by appointment and sometimes scheduled way in advance and so on. So of course, for me, it's like, I feel like he's missing out on certain things, but he's, he doesn't, he doesn't have that feeling. That's his reality and he's very much happy with it. And once we understood that they don't have this feeling of missing out that we do, it was easier for us to just focus on what we can create for them instead of feeling bad for what they, what we cannot create for them. Yeah, I know what you're talking about because I feel like my daughter's missing out on certain traditions in the U.S. that I loved, but she mm -hmm. doesn't even know about them. And I'm hard on myself that I'm, you know, she's like, Miss, she's missing this, but she doesn't know what, what they are. So I have to remind myself she doesn't, she doesn't know of them yet, and she'll probably learn it in the future. <laughs> So, yes, but then they won't have the same value that yeah. they have to you. Yeah. That's okay. So you won't feel that, I don't know, disappointment or guilt that, you know, or I don't know, uh, longing for something that she can relate to. Yeah. And I have to look at it that way. I never looked at it that way until you mentioned it. For me, I was always putting myself like the guilt trips, like, ah, oh, I'm not celebrating. For example, Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is a very big deal to me. And I tried to do a Thanksgiving dinner and then I'm a hard myself because I can't find. Luckily, they sell turkeys here now in Denmark during Thanksgiving <laughs> because there's so many Americans living in Denmark. But I was to the point where I'm like disappointed if I don't make a turkey at least or I can't find stuffing. It's like... I can probably just put Fleskastai out and she won't even know the difference. <laughs> so that was really good that you pointed that out to me because I've been really hard on myself that I'm not celebrating certain traditions that I loved in the U.S. Uh, for example, 4th of July or Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. To her, it's just like foreign language. So it's, it's nice to hear that she's not missing it because she's never known it. Um, yeah, with, there's some solace in there, you know. Yeah, <laughs> and maybe I'm just taking it so personal, and I shouldn't yeah. just be hard on myself. Or if any of the listeners are hard on themselves on, you know, certain traditions that they grew up with that their children are missing, if it's very important to you, it's like you can celebrate it, but it's not gonna kill them if they missed it or something, and we shouldn't stress over it. Which I do in November. I don't know. I'm a big stress stress ball because I'm like I need to do a big Thanksgiving dinner, which I really don't. <laughs> 
know, and they're way happier with you not being stressed. Yeah. Than with you putting out the turkey. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to drive around and looking for a turkey and all a pumpkin pie that I'm like trying to bake, which, yeah. So now I know that <laughs> it's not something that they're known and it's something that I can teach them in, in the future and help me with. With languages, uh, do you speak, do you try to talk to your kids with the different languages in, you know, with you or with, with Danish or English? What kind of languages that is uh, spoken in the household with, you know, four being a factor in your guys' family? Well, I speak four languages on the on a daily basis i speak spanish to the kids uh, my husband speaks danish to the kids we speak a mix of danish and spanish when we are the four of us and then my husband and i still continue speaking english i think it's by default and then i speak romanian when i call my my grandparents and the kids are exposed to all of it of course my kids didn't show any interest in Romanian. Actually, the more they grow, the more aware they are that they don't understand. So they're kind of like rejecting it in a way. So they get uncomfortable when I when I speak uh, Romanian. Like I don't I don't understand that. But I think they they really pick up a lot uh, just by being exposed to things. So um, my oldest starts saying um, certain words in English because he, they they he speaks. I mean the youngest doesn't speak yet, but he understands and communicates with baby Spanish and baby Danish. <laughs> <laughs> And my oldest, they, he speaks both pretty much at the same level. But now they're starting to pick up on on some English uh, on some English words. And he asks us when he hears the conversation between us. He asks us, "What does that word mean?" And just by that exposure, I I think they observe a lot. Do you think they'll pick up English pretty easily since they hear it around around the house? And is is that, English important for you guys to teach? Of course, in Denmark it is, but for for you guys to teach your kids. Yes, for us, English, it's pretty much a given. Maybe that's, that's a wrong assumption to have. But because of, um, of Danes having such a high level of English and people uh, speaking English at, at very early ages, we assume that he will just, I mean, they will just fall in that line when they start school. And of course, it helps to, to hear it at home. There'll definitely be a step ahead of the English English curriculum here in Denmark. I, I believe they start at third grade or something that they start uh, teaching the kids uh, English. So they'll probably pick it up very easily because they hear it at the home. Yeah. My daughter automatically speaks English because uh, that's my my language. But she could switch. It's amazing how the kids switch back and forth with not even a blink. I wish I can have that kind of skill of just switching Danish and English. I can do it, but my Danish is terrible. So it's like children Danish that I that I speak. <laughs> <laughs> I know the I know the feeling. <laughs> Does uh, your kids ever correct your Danish? Well, not not correcting like that, but sometimes I ask the the word for it in Spanish. So I ask my kids, like, how do you say this in, in Danish? <laughs> so they're really helping me with my vocabulary in that way. <laughs> yeah, I do the same thing. My daughter, she started correcting my Danish when she was two. Because, oh. I would, yeah, I was like, what? I was like, you're two years old. Like if I say, they're simple words, but of course I have the accent. And I would yeah. say one thing to her and she's like, Naimoa. Like, and say it correctly. She's like, no, that's not how you say purple. Because I said purple <laughs> wrong. And she's like, Nai. I was like, oh my gosh. I was like, you're four years old. I'm two years old. You're already correcting my Danish. How can this be? 
She's on top of things. She's a smart one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So now she's four, turning five, and her Danish is just perfect, and English too. So she's she's gonna be doing my communication in Danish moving forward now. <laughs> <laughs> That's great, you know. <laughs> That's why I need to start going back to school because I want to be in the same level as her. Because when she becomes a teenager, I did it because I'm, you know, I did it to my mom. I was like, oh no, payback is going to be very bad because I did it to my mom. She spoke English, but it wasn't as good English as mine, so I would trick her in certain things because oh. I would know. So I was like, oh no, my daughter's gonna do it to me too in Danish. It's like a payback to what I did to my mom. <laughs> Well, that's a sign of weariness, so you know it should be celebrated. <laughs> yeah, she's showing it way too early, though. <laughs> that's kids nowadays, man. It's incredible. It is. It's all the technology that just that teaches them that accelerate their learning. I just don't know what it is. I I just can't get side uh, how do you call it? blindsided by my kid. I was cooking the other day. I just want to share like a small yeah. um, anecdote. I was cooking the other day and, you know, when, when I start cooking because they're hungry, they start, uh, you know, doing rounds like sharks, you know, like <laughs> when can they attack? When am I looking away? So Is mommy going to drop a piece of food? <laughs> so I, um, I said, you know, no more because I give them things to, to snack on while I cook. And I said, okay, no more. Now you have to wait until we eat. And then while I was mixing the pasta salad, a couple of pastas fell out of the bowl. And my son was super quick at grabbing them and shoving them in the mouth. And I said, I told you, no more snacking now. Like You have to wait until we eat. And his answer to me was like, well, the table is very crowded. And I was just helping you make some space on the table. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> it's like, huh? Where do you get that from? <laughs> that's such a, that's a good answer. <laughs> Sometimes you just keep getting blindsided. Like, well, what can you say there? Like, thank you. Yeah. Or at the same time, you're like, that is the cutest answer. <laughs> but at the same time, you're like, I'm very, I'm trying to be firm with <laughs> with my disciplining and not disciplining, but with what I was telling you. But it was like the cutest thing you ever said to me. <laughs> but that's the thing because it's 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 such a tricky thing. They're so witty that you just have to accept it. Like. Yeah, you win. Yeah, that's the best answer ever. <laughs> I, I really don't know. Sometimes you just, yeah, comes up with these things that it, it really just blows our, our minds. Yeah, and I think it's just technology or this just how they're, how they are. So I think it's, it's amazing that uh, they're having their own mind at the same time. You're like, oh, no, it's the start of it. <laughs> and they're just kids. So let's uh, get into uh, what you're doing in Denmark. Can you share a bit more about uh, We Are Entrepreneurs? Yes, absolutely. We Are Entrepreneurs, it's an initiative that promotes uh, the entrepreneurship uh, mindset and also skills that prove to be very useful for living intentional or getting uh, very targeted goals. And there are skills like problem solving or financial literacy, being service-minded, digital skills, uh, relationship buildings, investment. And they are extremely important to master your or to take control in your professional life, but also in your personal life. They are very transferable between the two. And there are more and more 
in demand nowadays because we are required to to have autonomy and initiative and have this alignment of the personal and professional in our career right your profession has to be purpose based it has to align with your values in life and and so on so i i really found that this skill set that i acquired over the years First of all, I wish that I had it before, that this was taught in schools. And second of all, I, I realized what a big difference it can make for, for someone. And I, I do this through uh, one-on-one coaching and, and mentoring. And uh, then I also develop uh, or I participate in development project for adult projects, <laughs> for adult learning at a European level. Okay, so um, what was your motivation to create this kind of courses or coaching and what why did you come up with the idea and what was your motivation to create it well it's uh, very much related to my circumstances in denmark i didn't i couldn't find a job at that point in time when i w- moved to denmark so i i uh, transformed a skill uh, baking into into a business that i ran for four years and sold it but I constantly wanted to have a job, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's that kind of um, mindset that we grow up with, you know, to, to have a financial uh, security or to be successful, you need to, to have a job. So I went to, uh, to get my education in, in Denmark. And by the time I was done with the, the education and uh, I already had the two companies under my belt at that point, I had my children, I was ready for the labor market just to realize that I did not want to have a job that I could not be in an office from nine to five because that meant that often I wouldn't be able to have dinner with my kids or that I will not be able to to pursue those things that are interesting to me Um, because you have to, of course, there's this desire of what job you want to do, but then reality is that you would take anything that would be offered to you. And once you start going down that path, it's very hard to get out of it. So with the entrepreneurial bug already in the system and in the lucky circumstances that I did not have to have a salary right away, I set myself on this journey of figuring out what I actually want to do with my life. And that's not an easy thing to do. Uh, so for the listeners that are now going through that process of not knowing what to do or where to go from here, you're not alone. <laughs> this is very normal and it can take a really long time. For me, I, I just think I got so blocked or so desperate at some point of not being able to solve this puzzle that I sat down with all the business knowledge and uh, project management knowledge that I acquired until that point. And I started making a strategy for my life, <laughs> pretty much like we, we learned in school, like going through models and doing research. And, you know, it, it was a very, very um, analytical process for me. And it helped me ask, answer some questions that I never asked myself. And they were very much funded in in reality, right? In research, in soul searching. So it wasn't just the feeling of a moment or what I thought it was my calling, which sometimes can can lead us astray. And after I start practicing these business skills or these business techniques to get clarity or to find a purpose or to organize my life in a certain way that it was very much goal-oriented, I thought that this First of all, like I said, should be taught in schools. Uh, these are very, very useful uh, tools. They are proven tools. I mean, businesses have been using them forever. And um, I started 
also seeing uh, comparisons between how successful people act and how they run their lives. And it's so similar to how they, how a company is being run. And I said, okay, this, this is the thing. You know, this is the thing. This has to be spread. People have to know about this. And of course it, it helps, you know, when you're an expat or when you're going, you're at a crossroads in your life. But I constantly thought about what a great impact can have in a child's life when they are still developing by getting this knowledge in school. But most importantly, what a big difference can have in uh, developing countries, right? Where there are so many roadblocks and the culture can really impact or have a big influence in your success or path in life. And that's how I I started spreading the word and trying to get involved into initiatives that will help get entrepreneurship or help people through entrepreneurship to get some financial independency or, um, you know, validation, independence. That's really great that you're able to just sit down and kind of figure out, you know, what you wanted. Do you think having kids was a big factor in, in that in that mindset where you said, okay, I don't want to do the nine to, nine to five. I want to just create something on my own. And if you didn't have kids, would it be a different kind of mindset? I think so. I, I believe so. Circumstances, um, it are very, very, very important. I don't think they should be underestimated. And sometimes in conversations in certain countries or, you know, some certain layers of society get blamed for not taking more ownership or responsibility for their lives and so on. But circumstances and what they're exposed to is so important. And I didn't even consider business as an option for me. There, It's definitely not the role that is encouraged in any of the culture that had influences influences in my life. And once I, I came to Denmark and my, my husband had this uh, business on the side and his friends had business on the side. So it wasn't really, it was just like a way of monetizing a hobby or an interest. And it's so common here in Denmark to do that. And you, you just kind of being exposed to that, it makes you curious and then you try it and then you want to try it again and then you learn. And, and of course, like I said, I, I mentioned this before. I was very lucky to be in a situation where I could follow this path and then having children. And because before you have children, you're not really sure what kind of parent you will be. You would have, you have all these ideas, but it's not really, it's very rarely that those, those ideas come true. And when I had my kids, I realized that it's very important for me to be here with them as much as possible, especially when they're very young. And that just, automatically meant that I cannot sustain a, a job. Yeah, I think I was I'm in the same boat as you when I had my kids. I was working the first with my first kid, but I was working a lot. And then when I was pregnant with my second, I realized I'm like, I want to do something I want to do that I love that is for my kids. I can spend more time with my kids. And I really sat down like you did. I didn't write anything down, but I just just put two things that I love together. I was like, how can I make this work? You know, I love traveling. I love being with my kids and I love doing it with my kids. Like, how can I just put that all together and make a business out of it? And I think I got it, but we will see <laughs> with my website. And also this podcast. This, this podcast is like a baby of mine that uh, I'm doing for fun. Uh, I didn't expect it to be, um, I'm not saying it's big, but uh, such a big hit to the international community here in Denmark. So I really love doing it. And I think a lot of internationals or especially international parents, they just need to sit down and really look at, you know, what they like doing and seeing what they can do with it or make money out of it. And I think that's what you're helping them 
It's like what your passion is and then how could we make that work for you? Is it, you know, looking for a job or is it sewing something and you're very good at it, but how to make it into a business? And I think that's what you're doing with the entrepreneurs that you're working with and helping kind of get out of this. uh, What can I do to make money or what can I do that I love doing and, you know, live out of it, live, live by doing it. Absolutely. And the first thing we start with in that process is defining success. I feel that a lot of us are chasing something that we think feels like success or that it will make us feel successful, but that's not really going to give us that because it's not really what fulfills us. So for example, for me, I wanted to get a job because that's how I, that's why, how I saw myself in the world, right? I knew that I have to have a job. But then when I had kids, I realized that that's not who I want them to see. I do not want them to see me pursuing a job if I am unhappy with it. I want them to see that I'm pursuing fulfillment instead or, you know, some sort of of happiness. And that for me was defined as having more time to spend with them unvalidating people who are very career oriented or want to, to have a certain standard of living. I think if that's their definition for success, I think it's totally valid because in that process, they will feel fulfilled. I just think that a lot of us follow that path without actually being the right path for us. And then we get very miserable <laughs> on the way. Yeah. And, and I've noticed a lot of people are also driven by money when mm-hmm. they're you know, looking for something. It's what's the big thing or what what will earn them the most. But in actuality, they don't realize that that is affecting their happiness if they don't like what they're doing. But um, it's what they've been doing for a long time and they're just stuck there because of the money. So yeah, not all the people are like that, but some people that I know are just stuck in their career because it's what they've known for years and uh, what's paying the bills for, you know, having a home. What do you want to help expats and international with in in Denmark, either it's with entrepreneurship or finding a job or finding themselves? What do you want to help them with in Denmark? Or we're just specifically talking to people in Denmark right now. Well, what I focus on is this intentional living, which is defined as living life based on a set of values and be true to those values. And being an expat, it's a very big disruption to our lives and to our circumstances and also to our values. In in my case, a lot of my values have changed by being an expat and then by being a mother. So we are constantly developing and changing. And it's very easy to to get stuck when we don't update our system, right? I I, I use that metaphor. Understanding what the current values are and how, how those changed and being able to develop that self-awareness of what's important to you. Why is it important? Where do you want to go? Just kind of create a new DNA, a new foundation for your life in a foreign country can really help set the right path or the right pace for each individual instead of this expected path or you know because it's it's very easy to say especially to trailing trailing spouses who don't really have the need to provide a salary it's very easy to say like follow your passion like just do what you like you have the opportunity to find yourself and these people and i was one of them 
are so lost. Their whole life and their whole system has been disrupted, you know, and there's this expectation that you have to get it together and be grateful and create something out of it. I really think that there should be a pre-step to that. And I, I try to help with that pre-step just to set a new foundation. What do you think the biggest challenges uh, international expats and um, immigrants have in Denmark in regards of looking for a job or just settling in, in Denmark? Because it's not just looking for a job, but, you know, being part of the country, language, everything all at once once you move to Denmark. When, when the honeymoon period ends, <laughs> that the excitement of, woohoo, I'm in a new country. And then all of a sudden, it's like, I have no friends. Uh, I have no job. It's like all these things start coming in to play. What do you think the biggest challenge is for them? In my opinion, and from what I understand talking to other expats, it's that it's very hard to anchor your life somewhere. In other cultures, the the system or the social system, it's very straightforward. It's very well communicated. But here, it's so varied. Like you can have a job in a big company where you can wear a suit every day. You can have a job in a startup where you, you know, work until night in the evening and you have drinks during the day, during the day. And you know, that goes also for the social. There are so many variety and it's very difficult to find your space because you don't know that there's a space for you, but it's also very difficult to adapt or integrate because it's very varied. And I feel there is. With that disruption that they already feel, not being able to anchor somewhere and have like a, a point of reference to what to develop around can be can be very difficult. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. No, it does <laughs> because it the atmosphere, the, the our surrounding has been disrupted drastically that it's it's hard it's hard for us. Like at first it's new, it's a new thing. It, it's a new feeling. And then all of a sudden, this new feeling, you get homesick. You start like, okay, maybe you like the new feeling or you don't like the new feeling. You just start, all the changes start setting in and this is going to be your life moving forward. You either love it or you either like, this is not for me and it's not what I imagined. A lot of us go through a honeymoon period where everything's fun and exciting, but we don't realize what's going to happen afterwards. We don't know what's going to happen afterwards. And that's what... I think a lot of internationals don't really look at when they first move to Denmark is hmm. the after, the after the honeymoon period. Yes. And it comes also a bit back to what I said before of navigating what's the right thing to do and what's the not so right thing to do. And because it's not very set. So even in job searching, it can be so different the way you approach different companies but there is no written rule about it. So it's kind of like, I always say, I make this analogy, like Danish culture, it's so much of like their language. Mm -hmm. Like there is a right way to pronounce things, but everybody pronounce them differently, but your different is wrong. You know, like it's so incredible. Like it's very difficult to be spot on in a job situation, in a so social situation, in a <laughs> speaking language situation. It's it's not straightforward. Denmark, it's not straightforward with culture, language, <laughs> any kind of setting. Yeah. In, in my opinion. Yeah. No, I, I can understand where you're coming from. If someone wanted to start a business but don't know where to start, we probably come across this all the time. They haven't found their passion and just don't know what to start, but they have this feeling it's like, I should start a business, but don't know what. 
what would you have them do or what would you, your advice to that, to those internationals or in people in general that work, where can they just work it out and find what they want to do as an entrepreneur? The question that I always start with and that started me on this process was, why do you want to do what you want to do? Why is it opening a business important to you? What do you think you're going to get out of it? How, how do you think you're going to be able to get those things? And there's a, there's a difference there. Once you get into this introspection of why are these things important to you? Why is opening a business important to you? It has to be personal. It cannot be, well, I, I can't get a job because not being able to get a job is not going to motivate you long term, long term, you know, like being an entrepreneur has to really come from the from the inside. It's a lot of work. And you need that passion to keep you going in the in the difficult moments. And then I, I always say, be honest and be realistic. If you see yourself being up for it, inform yourself of what does it mean to be an entrepreneur? Do you really want to go that on that path? If you find out why you want to do it, and if you find out that you really want to do that because you understand what it means, then the only question left to answer is how can you get there with what you got right now? And this is very important. This is the question that a lot of people get wrong because they see themselves or oftentimes I, I hear, I, I could build this or I could do this if I had more time or if I had more money or if I had help or if I had, you know, all these, all these things that people are missing. And that's great. That's great to have that wish of having more time or having more resources or being able to hire someone and so on. But that's not going to take you anywhere. That's just the roadblocks that you put in front of yourself. So focus on what you got and how can you use what you got to take the next step. And then next step will bring something new in and then consider again what the next step would be and, and so on. And it can be unnerving and very demotivating at times where the process is very slow or that it, it feels like it's not leading anywhere, but it is slow. I mean, entrepreneurship is, is slow. There's this, uh, there's always this funny thing of the overnight success after 10 years of work, you know, <laughs> it's, <laughs> It's really much uh, people see the people who, who make it, but they don't really see how that person started or how, how difficult it was at the beginning. Yeah, definitely. People, when you become a success, that's when your story starts. But no one really yes. covers. No one really covers, you know, the 10 years, five years that you spent outside of your family, the, the nights, the less sleep, uh, the hustle. And, mm-hmm. and also, I think with everything going on there's a lot of hype on making it like all these people making it it's like but no one's really talking about the struggle that you have to go through to make it and so it's nice that you're covering that too it's like do you think this is for you because it's going to be a lot of struggle before you can see the success yeah so just find people that will be open to you about their journey and listen to what they what they have to say and try to to read about it. I mean Google is your best friend. <laughs> try to try to learn and inform yourself. Don't assume like assumptions, you know, uh, forget about those and and try to try to be there's there's this concept of a scout mindset. Yeah. Let me just quickly see what it uh, stands for, because there's this set of values that it's really important to have as an entrepreneurs. 
and it's basically of being curious, you know, and accepting what or, or being able to see reality in as an objective way as possible because normally we we try to when we're in a situation where we're very passionate about our idea, idea or when we feel that our values or our ideas being attacked we tend to to go into defensive mode yeah but that's that's really the killer of the entrepreneurial spirit you know best way to approach it is to be curious about why is that being said to you or why why what could that mean and just ask follow up questions and try to see where does this coming from is the only way to widen your horizon and you're not giving away your power this is this is a very big misconception that um, many entrepreneurs at the beginning have is that by accepting other people's ideas or by accepting people questioning them is that their idea or their journey is less valid that's not true you're still in control of your journey you're you're, you're still the one taking the decisions and walking this journey but curiosity can really open your your mind I, yeah. I definitely recommend that that uh, perception. Yeah, no, because you have to be curious to even start uh, mm -hmm. anything uh, to see if it will work. If you're up for failure, uh, maybe you don't think of failure yet. <laughs> But being curious is a good uh, value to have when starting a business. We're gonna have to wrap up. I know we can keep talking and talking about about you know entrepreneurship, starting a business. But do you have any last words to the audience before we wrap up and close up the show? Maybe we'll do a live together on our Instagram and keep the conversation going and invite other people. But any last words to uh, any of the listeners out there? Yes, absolutely. I, I would love to keep talking about this with you, Jackie. We had a really good time. I, uh, as last words, it's something that I, I generally like to share is this being, uh, be comfortable. I always encourage people to be comfortable in discomfort. Try to be okay with not being okay without trying to fix it. You know, sometimes you just have to wait it out. And this applies for business owners, but I think it very much applies for the personal life and especially for expats. We feel like we need to fix things or that we need to be better. We need to le learn the language a bit better, make a new relationship, network, get a job. You know, yeah. we feel like we need to do all these things. But, you know, it's, sometimes it's okay to say like, okay, my life is a mess right now. That's fine. I'll figure it out. You know, maybe it's a bad year. Maybe it's a bad month. Maybe it's just a bad day. Oftentimes it's just a bad day. Yeah. And just try it out when you're, when you feel like this sucks. I don't know if I can say that. <laughs> no, you can. <laughs> Oh, that, that's that's the case then just just say that okay no that sucks so that's okay you'll suck less tomorrow <laughs> that's a really great uh, analogy <laughs> so if you guys are looking to create something in your life whether it's a career start a business or feeling a little lost diana is your girl to get all that worked out I'll have all her links on my website so you won't miss anything and you can get in contact with her. And thank you, Diana, for being on the show and sharing your story with me and the listeners. You guys can read more about my podcast on my website or follow me on my social media handles. I'm much more interesting on social media. Thanks for listening, everyone. And don't forget to live, laugh and enjoy this crazy life abroad. Until next time, everyone. Bye. Bye.